Good morning. Welcome to Palm Sunday. We are delighted that you have joined us on this day, and it is such a special celebration. We're going to get to wave our palms during the first song and the last song. So you're going to get a good arm workout. So if you had your vaccination, maybe you want to switch arms, but yay, it's going to be great. We have... um, It's unbelievable. We were just talking that it's already here, which means Holy Week is upon us and Easter is upon us. So we have several ways for you to journey with Jesus all the way into the cross, all the way to the cross, and all the way to the empty tomb. And we hope that you will join us along the way this week, Monday, Thursday, And Good Friday worship services are at 6.30, and they're held in the sanctuary, but you also can worship at home because they'll be live-streamed. We would ask you to register for those services if you're going to join us in person. We'll be celebrating our risen Lord as the sun rises on Lido Beach, such a great tradition that so many people love. Begins at 6.30 in the morning, and Justin is going to be leading us in music, and then he'll be back here again at 10, so Starbucks coffee gift certificates for Justin would be much appreciated. Um, Bring your own chair if you come out to the beach, and bring a thermos of coffee, and we'll have a great time together celebrating Jesus. Um, Back here at the ranch, 9, 10, and 11, so if you have friends and family, just know that we'll be worshiping in all those spaces We will also be pre-recording the worship service on Easter so people can watch it at home, and we'll do some overflow in the Palm Center if it's needed. Make sure you register, though, so we have space. We are going to double the capacity of what we've been having, but we still want to be um, safely seated and distanced from each other. If you would like to contribute to the beauty of the worship spaces, we are receiving Easter flower donations until tomorrow morning, Monday at 10 a.m., March 29th. As you leave today, if you did not get your palm cross at the Valentine drive-thru, those will be available at the door for you during your, to use at home and during your devotion time. Well, as I mentioned, more and more of us are getting our vaccines Hallelujah, we're getting there. But it, yes, but it has been brought to our attention that some people are still struggling to register for the vaccine. So there's an opportunity for us. If you would like to volunteer to help people one-on-one to register for the vaccine, we'd ask for you to contact Susan Neisler, who is our Director of Health and Wellbeing, and she will get you in touch with anyone who calls. So if you or you know someone is struggling with that, also reach out to Susan. So you can email her or you can call the front office and they will connect you. A couple of new things that are happening in the Palm Center. First, Trivia Night is back this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Register with Susan again. So if you want to give your brain a little exercise and meet some new friends, it's always a good time. And second, we want to add that we are, we're happy that we're adding a Tai Chi course or a class. I have never taken Tai Chi before, but I understand it is gentle physical exercise and stretching that really helps with flexibility and balance that all ages are able to participate And it's also really good to help reduce anxiety and stress. That's going to be on Wednesday, starting the Wednesday after Easter from 2.30 to 3.30, and the cost is $5. Finally, 
You have probably noticed all of the small groups that have started to meet and um, learn together through the leadership of Pastor Mingy. Well, I have been lucky enough to be a part of two groups of amazing women, and it has always been a dream of mine that whenever a small group gets together to um, study and to learn, that they would also do an act of service that they could do together. This love and action would be as unique as the gifts and the talents and the heart of each small group. Well, of course, COVID prevented us from actually gathering together to study, so it certainly prevented us from gathering together to do an act of service. So our group came up with another idea. I want you to take a look at this, this video that Matt Liddell put together for us. Anita Lustry and I started a Tuesday night group for Bible study, and we've done different books throughout the years, and this happened to be a season when we were on the book Love Does. So when you're doing a Bible study or you're doing a book um, discussion, you're taking in and you're learning and you're growing, but I think if we don't do anything with it, then we're sort of doing a disservice. And so when we were doing Love Does, one of those chapters, Bob Goff, I think he called it Bible doing. He got tired of just Bible study. And so a group of people just went out and tried to do things that Jesus would do. Maybe we could each do our own random act of kindness and then we would share it with a group. Right after I read the email, I said a little prayer like, God, please give me an opportunity to do an act, a random act of kindness because there's so many times you do things for people, but they're people you know. Within five minutes, I was checking my Facebook page. Something popped up and it was a friend of my youngest son's. It was right when Etta happened, and so on Longboat Keys, several of the homes were flooded. And so she was making an appeal for boxes to pack up things and cleaning supplies and anything to help because she was going to take a bunch of stuff over to Longboat Key. Because I had empty boxes in my garage, but I had a roof leak earlier in the summer, and I had a new garbage can that was in there I hadn't used yet, and some garbage bags and uh, some cleaning supplies. It happened so fast. I knew that that had to be it. <laughs> when I watched Hurricane Et Etta making its way northward through the Gulf, I got pretty nervous. I knew that a lot of the people who lived in those houses were older. I called everybody in the Homeowners Association and I asked, do you need any help in bringing in your patio furniture, your potted plants, or anything before the storm? The people that I knew who were pretty able-bodied, I also asked, would you be willing to help our neighbors bring things in? There were more people willing to help than people who needed help. You're not supposed to talk about things that you do for somebody else. I mean, it's not what you, why we do it. But in situations like that in a small group, I think it's very helpful. I think every time you hear someone share a story, that it just opens up more windows and opportunities that, oh, yeah, I could do that. I think it was just putting your love in action. I believe that this extra generosity in this time was even more poignant um, because there was so much need. We see it around us. When we're in these dark times, gosh, the things that we can do to shine the light of Christ, I think make all the difference in the world, even when it's just a small thing.
to, if you're a part of a small group, perhaps you can encourage your small group to do something similar. And I still love the idea that one day we'll just like decide together what we're going to do as a group and then go do that. As you know, we've been doing this new practice of affirming our faith with a different affirmation. So if you would get your bulletin and please stand and let us affirm our faith together. I refuse to believe that I am powerless. I refuse to believe that injustice and hatred are simply the way it has to be. I refuse to believe that I am better or more deserving than my neighbor. I refuse to believe that my self-worth is rooted in my accomplishments or appearance. I refuse to believe that the church is dying because I see God all around me. I refuse to believe that the traditions of old are the only path for moving forward. I refuse to believe that I cannot make a difference. So with hope in my heart, I will strive to live a life of courage, conviction, and compassion, just as Jesus taught us. Amen. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? That you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me How you love me It's amazing I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend Uh Who am I that you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend God 
Thank to you all of our hearts and soul and all that you are and more and praise is the offering we bring to you Great to see Stephanie on drums and Steve on bass. Nice move, Justin. That was um, talented. People love that so much. Uh, We are at this point in our service where we have the opportunity to give back to God in all the many ways that God has first given to us. And so as my mic runners make their way up, I just want to remind you that there are, of course, more than four ways to give. But as we are leaving our space here, that there are baskets as you go And we're just grateful for the way that you partner with us to love God and to love neighbor. And we do that by worshiping God with our offerings. So thank you. So come on over. I want you to meet my mic runners. Usually in the booth, but got let out for good behavior, maybe. Or bad. Or bad behavior. I'm Bill. I'm a senior. (laughs) Indeed. I'm Susan. I'm a junior. (laughs) Susan's who we're like RSVPing to for virtually everything, as you heard today, but all the stuff in the Palm Center for, for sure, and um, lots of good ministry going there. So this is really one of my favorite parts of this service, where we get to hear the prayers that we have um, in our hearts. So if there are things that we can lift up, concerns or joys, um, we would love to hear those from you. Sue Stolberg's brother, Jack, has been in the hospital for the last week. Uh, It is not COVID. She did not say what it was, that he is improving, but it's slow, and just ask for prayers for him. Thank you for lifting that up. I wasn't aware of that. Thank you. So Sue's usually sitting right around where you guys are, and so as we remember Jack this week in the hospital, that we might be mindful of other people who are um, battling different kinds of illnesses um, and are also in the hospital. So thank you for lifting that up. How else can we be praying on this day? One of, one of our flock, um, Linda Haldeman, Her husband passed away a couple days ago. So, you know, keeping her in all our prayers. Thank you so much. So Linda has been Kathy's right-hand man in the kitchen, whether it's VBS or Day of Hope or just so busy here and in the choir. And I know that she has been ministering to him for a long time, and she is just heartbroken. So um, please keep Linda in your prayers this week. And anyone else that you might know of who has lost a loved one? Anything else? Joys are good too. Yeah, go ahead, Susan. Get to your yogi there. Go get it to Emily, one of your yogis. Just a a praise and a thank you to this congregation for reaching out to my son, Matthew, who he was in a school out in Virginia Beach and... um, 
in the Army and got back safely to Colorado, but he was went to his P.O. box and was showered with, uh, you know, uh, letters and, and stuff from this congregation in a package. And, and speaking of small groups, my Bible study just sent out a care package, totally not my doing, of course, but sent out two boxes to him, and they just had a ball doing it. So, um, but just a huge, huge, huge thank you. And he is so, he's overwhelmed you know, because he's just really a guest here most of the time. He's not an official member. So just praises and thank you so much for loving oh, him course. and surrounding him with, with all of your love. Oh, my gosh. It's um, right. All of our kids, our extended family, are connected through us. And as they grow up, dang, they move and live somewhere else. But it was really our privilege and joy. And thank you for lifting it up. Because if Emily had never shared that about her son going through something, it was just a hard period of being in the army and all the COVID and stuff, we would have never known so that we couldn't, you know, anyway, so thank you for, for sharing and what another great example of a small group doing something else. So I'm like, oh, we could, we could do that. Yeah, Peggy, we could, Marion, we could do that. How else? Anything else to lift up today? All right. So you know we are going to give all of those prayers to God, and um, I hope that we all continue to pray about these things during the week. And together we are going to do this prayer of confession, because I think it's such an important journey back to God that we confess what is on our hearts. Um, and that we receive the forgiveness. And so I'll pray the prayer of confession. You'll see at the very bottom there is the part for all where I would ask that you would join in. Let us pray. God of palm branches and hallelujahs, we confess we love a good Palm Sunday celebration. We love the sound of a joyful parade. We love shouting hallelujah. We love that Palm Sunday means Easter is just around the corner. We love good news. However, if we slow down and pay attention, we know that Palm Sunday was not a walk in the park for you. There was risk. There was fear. There was the threat of violence. You were leading a peaceful protest against an unjust empire, and the whole world knew it. Forgive us for glossing over the courage this day took. Remind us that the story of faith is a story of courage, and even we can do hard things. With hope we pray. Amen. Family of faith, even when we gloss over the truth, even when our courage fails us, even when we doubt that we can do hard things, God believes in us. God loves us. God forgives us. Hear and believe this truth. We are known. We are loved. We are forgiven. Again and again and again. Amen. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Good to see more of you. That's nice. Uh, we're growing little by little. That's exciting and uh, looking forward to the day when we're packed back into this place and 
able to sing with able to sing and then able to sing without masks golly who knows we may get crazy after a while so today we conclude our uh, wonderment around the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness we have been looking at the fruit of faithfulness throughout this month and we are today going to be looking at the faithfulness asked of us through the law, the covenantal law that God gives us through Moses and the prophets and Jesus himself. What does a faithful life look like in response to what the God has done for us? And we ask this question taking into account two passages in the Gospel of Matthew. First, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount regarding his understanding and relationship with the law, and then the great story of Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So the first one coming from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Hear the word of God. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then from Matthew chapter 21, when they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very loud crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. This is likely not the first time we've heard this story, O God. But we pray that we may, through these moments, hear it again as if for the first time. Allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Mr. Holland's Opus, a movie that came out about 25 years ago and may someday make the ranks of God in Hollywood, tells the story about Glenn Holland a musician and composer who, in the effort to provide some financial stability for his family, reluctantly takes a job as a music teacher at a nearby high school, a temporary lull, he hopes, in his pursuit to become a famous composer. He ends up teaching, though, at this high school for 30 years. 
Mr. Holland's life is music. He plays it, he writes it, he performs it, he teaches it. With every passing day, he sees that his life is now being given over more and more to awakening the joy and music in his students. Overall, he meets with moderate success, and like most teachers, Mr. Holland has to contend with a wide spectrum of students, those who are there for the love of the subject, for the magic of the music, for the beauty of it all, and all the way to those who are there for the bare minimum, whatever it takes to pass the class, those who raise their hand and ask, do we have to know this for the test? When you're a teacher, you know you haven't quite broken through, if that's the question. Do we have to know this for the test? Ironically, of course, in the movie, it turns out that Mr. Holland's only child is born deaf. He is not able to hear and participate in the core of his father's life. Mr. Holland's life is the sound of music, and his son's life is devoid of such sound. And as a result, Mr. Holland pulls further away from his son out of the frustration of, and bitterness of not being able to share in the way that he wants to this most important part of his life. He half-heartedly learns sign language and makes little effort to be creative in his communication with his boy. And the father and son grow even more estranged. And what Mr. Holland doesn't realize is that he is the student that's being tested. What he doesn't realize is that his boy is his teacher, demanding of him another language. But dad wants to get by with the minimum. But finally comes the moment when the music teacher father discovers that life is more than the minimum, love is more than the minimum. So the old dog learns a new trick, learns himself a new language, and the two start doing life together. Do we have to know this for the test? I suppose to some degree or another, it is this question of what do we have to know for the test that has been at the heart of those who are seeking to live their lives in relationship with God. What does the Lord require of me? What's going to be on the test ever since God called Abraham and Sarah up to the land of Canaan and to begin a covenantal family ever since God called Moses to deliver the people of Israel and in the wilderness to receive the law, ever since the prophets began their prophetic teaching, the question that often gets asked from the back of the room is, how much of this do we have to know for the test? In other words, of the 613 separate laws in the Old Testament, which of them do I really have to know? Which of them do I really need to get right? It's most certainly the case in Jesus' day, the ongoing debate between the schools of legal scholars, which part of the law do we have to have pinned down? what led the rich young ruler to ask Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's going to be on the test, Jesus? We don't have to read too much between the lines to sense Jesus' heart sinking lower and lower every time someone asks that question because he knows they're missing the point. Jesus isn't teaching to the test. Jesus isn't schooling them for the SATs. Jesus isn't interested in the bare minimum. Jesus is inviting them into this abundant life, not the minimum life. Jesus is seeking to fulfill the law, not scale the law down. And it is the fulfilling of the law that's the adventure. It's the fulfilling of the law that has Jesus up on the Mount of Olives. It's the fulfilling of the law that leads that parade into Jerusalem. God is faithful in the giving of the law, and it's Jesus who is faithful in the fulfilling of the law. 
and the fulfilling of the law, the righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, has always been for Jesus a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction, to borrow a phrase from Eugene Peterson, who borrows it from Frederick Nietzsche, a long obedience in the same direction. And for Jesus, the long obedience in the same direction is the long obedience of love. Whatever direction Jesus takes, it is in the direction of love. Whenever he's asked about the law, he steers the conversation back to the direction of love. When he saddles up on that donkey on Palm Sunday, he is heading in the direction of love. And here's the thing. Love knows no minimum. Love doesn't study just for the test. Love, like music, is a contagion that you either catch or you don't catch. Jesus parades into the city because he can do no other. Jesus teaches a new language to God's people because he can do no other. Jesus is on the way to the cross because he can do no other. Love knows no minimum. Makes me think of the story I read a while ago about Detective Skip Manane up in Poughkeepsie, New York. Detective Manane had gotten the call concerning a hit-and-run accident in the city. Jaime Tornorio was a Mexican migrant worker who in the area cut lawns on the side, sent the bulk of the money that he made back to his poor family, eking out an existence in a poor Mexican village in the middle of nowhere. That night, Jaime was riding his bike through the streets of Poughkeepsie and was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver. After concluding the investigation and apprehending the perpetrator, Detective Manane did what it said to do in the police manual. He just placed the obligatory call to the widow who needed to be summoned to the only phone in the village in order to speak with him. Detective Manane informed her that her husband had been killed and asked if they should just bury his body in the pauper's grave there in Poughkeepsie like they do all the other migrants who die there. No, Mrs. Tenorio said I, she wished his body to be sent back to the village. I'm, I'm sorry, said the detective, but unless you can come up with the money, that's just not going to happen. The widow begged and asked if there was anything the detective could do. Uh, sorry, lady, it's not my job, is what he said not long before he hung up the phone. But despite the phone being hung up, Detective Manane kept hearing her voice, kept hearing her tears, her plea, her anguish, that this man she loved and was just trying to support his family was now going to be buried in a pauper's grave a million miles away. It's not my job, he told her. Well, maybe it is. Maybe love has no minimum. So Detective Manane went to the priest of the local Hispanic congregation and asked if they could pass a hat on Sunday morning to raise a little money so this poor widow and her children could have uh, the dignity of burying their husband and father in their own village. Well, that priest got talking to some other priests, and, and the hat got passed at a bunch of churches, and the word got out to the local paper, which ran an article, and all of a sudden envelopes full of money from all over the town arrived, and before you know, Detective Manane was sitting at his desk at police headquarters staring at envelopes filled with $22,000. Faced with such incredible generosity from total strangers, who knew not the family they were helping, the officers simply wept. 
He personally escorted the body back to Mexico, delivered the money in person to the fatherless family. With it, they buried their husband and father, and with the money left over, they bought themselves a little house and some clothes and a chance at a new start. That's not all. The town of Poughkeepsie sent a team to the village and learned of their needs and pledged to become a sister city with help such that the villagers could be back on their feet and make the village a viable economic center. All because one detective didn't stick with the manual, didn't study just for the test, didn't accept the minimum. Laura von Stratton, an advertising executive, fast on her way to somewhere in New York City when she saw a man lying in the snow and another man leaning over him, giving him CPR. She and a group of concerned folks gathered around, none of them knowing how to administer CPR, standing helpless, watching the only man who knew what he was doing. The EMT unit arrived, took over, took the man to the hospital where he recovered. Laura went on her way except she didn't go on her way because the old way was unacceptable. She went on a different way. It was not acceptable to her that dozens gathered not knowing what to do. So she tried to find a way to learn CPR, found it quite difficult to find a place that was convenient to do so. And she said, that's unacceptable. So she began to call around and eventually got hold of the mayor's office and talked to the right people who talked to the right people and they worked to partner with a sports gym chain that opened up 28 of its branches for members of the New York Fire Department to come and offer CPR classes all around the city. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people now know how to save a life because young one, young one, one young woman said this is unacceptable. Love knows no Minimum. That's what Pam Hahn discovered several years ago when she hated seeing what she was seeing, that way too many kids were in beautiful Sarasota, were going to school with no supplies, holes in their shoes, and food in their tummies. No food in their tummies. This is not acceptable, she said. So she got her church to do a thing called Day of Hope, and they managed to pull together doctors and nurses and hairdressers and photographers and school supplies and backpacks and gift cards for clothes, and pretty soon a couple hundred kids were in better shape for the start of school. But a couple hundred kids in Sarasota County is a drop in the bucket. So more churches got invited, more churches got involved like ours, and more children now have shoes and notebooks and backpacks, and it's Still unacceptable because the world is not right when even one child doesn't have what she needs to learn to grow to be what God wishes her to be. The family in our church discovered the challenge that people with mental health diagnoses have in making their way back to productive living, and they said that this is unacceptable, so they started the academy at Glengarry on 41, just south of Bay Ridge, a community that helps those who have struggled with mental illness to acquire job training and life skills and to find placement for employment in town, and people now are discovering a new chapter for their lives because someone said that the status quo is unacceptable. Love knows no minimum. Do we have to know this for the test? Wrong question. Because on this Palm Sunday, Jesus is on the move. Jesus is on the move. He's saddling up that donkey, making his way into the city because he's busy fulfilling the law. He's about the long obedience of love. He is making his way to the next town where there are poor migrants and grieving widows and children with holes in their shoes and people 
mental illness and men lying in the snow fighting for their lives. He's on the move, and maybe at the end of it all, there's a cross. But that's okay, right? Crosses mean you're doing something. You're fulfilling the law. You are headed in the right direction. You've gotten the only question on the test that matters correct. You've been faithful to the voice that's been speaking in your head. Because love has no minimum. I'd rather be ashes than dust, wrote Jack London, author of The Call of the Wild. I'd rather be ashes than dust. I'd rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I'd rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me, in magnificent glow than a sleepy permanent planet. The function of man is to live, not exist. I shall not waste my time and my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. Time to use your time. Time to look and see what needs to be done. Time to say that this is unacceptable. Time to saddle your donkey. Time to head into the city. Because Jesus is on the move. He's fulfilling the law. And he's waving us on to the long and abundant obedience of love. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we would rather just sort of think about it. We'd rather maybe head off to lunch and by the middle of the afternoon not even recall what we did in the morning. So we thank you, O Lord, that you invite us, you wave us on, and may our journey begin right now as we make our steps from this place. May we consider ourselves a part of the parade and find our way in the direction of love. In Christ's name, amen. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down and worship Him now How great, how awesome is He Together we sing Everyone sing Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory the earth is filled with His glory. We stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, 
How awesome is He And together we sing Everyone sing Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory Yeah, the earth is filled with His glory And it's rising up all around It's the anthem of the Lord's renown It's rising up all around It's the anthem of the Lord's renown And together we sing Everyone sing Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory Holy is the Lord God Almighty The earth is filled with His glory The earth is filled with His glory Hosanna, Hosanna Hosanna in the highest Hosanna Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.